0: You're listening to Higher Ground from WSHU Public Radio. I'm J.D. Allen.
1: And I'm Sabrina Garone. Up until now, we've been getting to know the kids, tagging along as they explore their environment, and learning how they perceive climate change in Bridgeport.
0: Now we're going to shift gears to see how their ideas can improve the quality of the air, land, and water in Connecticut's largest city.
1: Incidentally, creating a right to clean air, land, and water is the subject of new legislation being considered in a dozen states, from Kentucky to Vermont.
0: In 2021, New York, next to Bridgeport, became the sixth state to adopt an environmental rights amendment into its state constitution.
1: Our kids aren't writing legislation just yet.
0: The tools these kids use during their after-school science program highlight the importance of finding solutions through research and design. The next steps of the scientific method are their experiments and peer review.
1: For the rest of the series, we're going to bring their designs and questions to Bridgeport's policymakers to see how their solutions can help give their home the best chance at survival.
0: And maybe help save coastal places beyond their city, where millions of people call home.
1: That and more coming up next after this.
2: WSHU, the station you know, trust, and count on, is more relevant than ever. I'm WSHU and American Homefront Project reporter Desiree DiOrio. Your support has enabled us to deliver what you need at a moment's notice, wherever you happen to be. We can tell stories that really matter, connecting facts and revealing the truths you need. Thank you for listening and supporting WSHU Public Radio. We're stronger together.
0: In the last couple of years, 13 year olds everywhere have been thinking a whole lot more about air quality.
3: Yeah, coronavirus affects air quality, right? Yeah, if if COVID was in this room right now and we're all wearing masks, we would be safe.
0: Wayne and the rest of us are actually still wearing a mask as we speak.
1: We are working on this podcast in person after these middle schoolers spent the better part of the last two years learning from home.
0: I'm surprised how much they really understand how different kinds of masks work
1: that the surgical masks are the best at filtering out particles from mouth spray that contain viruses.
0: They know who is most vulnerable to respiratory illnesses, those already sick, the elderly, children, and other people with weak immune systems.
1: Sky also knows after weeks of research that air pollution can have a similar effect.
0: So where does the pollution come from? It comes from like
4: cars and
0: factories, stuff like that. So do you think that there is a like a lot of air pollution where you live or
4: I mean kind of. Why kind of? Because like I'll be outside and a car would drive by and you would smell all the exhaust and stuff coming from the car.
0: What made you interested in air pollution?
4: Because it seems like it seems like a really big problem when it comes to pollution because I know there's also like we breathe in air and stuff like that. So I wouldn't want to, like, get sick from something that I can't really
1: help. Off-mic, Taya is quick to remind her that teenagers do contribute to air pollution.
0: Even though they don't drive yet.
1: For example, they use electricity that's created with fossil fuels and shop online for goods that get shipped from around the world.
0: Sky is worried about those vulnerable to poor air quality, like pregnant people and their babies.
1: Bridgeport is
4: among the youngest cities in the state. Well, in the babies where their mom has, like, breathed in bad air, it causes asthma, lung cancer, leukemia, COPD, pneumonia, birth immune system defects, cardiovascular diseases, and premature death.
0: That's a lot of respiratory problems. What does that mean for baby?
4: One in 33 babies born in the U.S. were born with a serious birth de- defect due to air pollution. That's messed
1: up.
0: Well, Connecticut has high rates of greenhouse gas emissions that contribute to climate change. Motor vehicles make up 40 percent of those carbon emissions. That's according to data Sky is looking at from the American Lung Association, which advocates for policies to reduce air pollution that harms public health.
1: While J.D. chats with the students, we called up the Lung Association's Michael Silbach because every year the association grade states on how clean the air is. Bridgeport in Fairfield County gets failing scores.
3: You know, sometimes our region gets called uh, the tailpipe of the nation. Fairfield County in Connecticut has the most ozone pollution in any county on the eastern seaboard.
1: This is a gross and unhealthy reality for people living around the New York City metro area. But what is ozone?
3: Ozone pollution uh, sometimes called smog. It's cooked up on those really hot, sunny summer days when volatile organic compounds up in the atmosphere are heated up and create this gas, ozone. And when ozone is breathed into the lungs, it's almost like getting a sunburn on your lung tissue.
1: Ozone is the first of two major ways to measure air quality.
3: Particle pollution is sometimes called soot. It's these microscopic particles. And when they're breathed into the lungs, it's almost like taking a piece of sandpaper and rubbing it on the lung tissue. Ouch. So as we've cleaned up power plants, as we've cleaned up cars and trucks, uh, as we've moved towards solar and wind and having strong pollution controls, we're seeing less of those precursors rolling into the ozone formation. However, we continue to see failing rates.
1: So what's the problem?
3: Air pollution isn't just being created locally. We also get air pollution from you know, coal-fired power plants in the Midwest that travel cross country and then settle over our region uh, due to, you know, topography and meteorology. But we need to make sure that we are reducing the amount of pollution that comes from those power plants hundreds of miles away.
1: Taya has already been thinking about how, no matter where we live, we're all connected in some ways by pollution.
2: Fashion is like a really important thing to me and I wanted to know how this thing that I love is hurting the environment. Is it hurting the environment? Well, not like fashion, but the factories that are making these clothes.
0: And where are the clothes coming from that are fashionable?
2: They come from factories,
1: and I have like a list of like where most of those factories are. She has sheets of sketch pads with notes, graphs that show air pollution over time, and a world map with rough coordinates to what I assume are major manufacturing hubs in different countries.
2: Maybe we can like spread out more of these factories to different areas so that we could eliminate the need for these big ships and moving them to different continents and instead just move them across one part of land
3: yeah, so
0: the a, a lot of factories that make like the clothes that we buy on amazon and and elsewhere are all are are located in very similar areas. do you know where what areas those are here
2: Asia. like
0: in Asia and so you're saying that uh because they're all located in one area when goods are all created in one area, um, it means that transporting them around to different places um is it wears on the environment um so if we had manufacturing in other places there wouldn't be a need to transport it as far is it just like the the big freight trucks and trains and and ships or um i know you're interested in other aspects of how we get these clothes you have an all caps right here something that might help
2: overconsumption And, like, it's people buy a lot of these clothes because they wanted to, like, keep up with these trends that change so fast. But what happens is a lot of these clothes that the people buy, they end up throwing them out or never wearing them ever again. And it contributes to a lot
1: of the clothing that ends up in landfills.
0: It's really interesting. So it's, it's not only where we get it, but how we get rid of them.
1: To Sky, a solution for reducing carbon emissions that create smog is to shift away from gas-powered vehicles.
0: We can eliminate
4: human-made air pollution by using vegetable oil because it is less toxic than what is normally used. Vegetable oils are the base, the basis of biodiesel, which can be used like normal gas. The car would have to be modified to be able to heat up the oil in order for it to work, which would make it thinner.
0: Biodiesel is non-toxic and biodegradable. So changing the type of fuel that we use to be able to get around, instead of using fossil fuels that have higher carbon emissions, you're saying use something with a different base, like a vegetable oil or a biofuel.
1: Corinne's got a question. What are your thoughts on electric cars as a different way to reduce air pollution?
0: I think
4: electric cars are cool, but right now I don't think they're as affordable for everyone.
0: So, so that's something that we can do um, to try to power the, the ways to get around. Are there other ways to get around?
4: You can bike, walk if it's not far.
0: Do you think that it's easy to, to bike and walk um, where you live? That's good.
4: Because it's not far and I enjoy walking and riding my bike a lot. So it
0: doesn't bother me. And now you can't drive yet, but um, people in your family can. If you like to walk, but they don't, how might you explain the benefits of walking in this way?
4: I would say that one, it's healthier, it's cheaper, especially since gas is so expensive now. (laughs) And I would
1: explain to them all the problems that it causes.
0: And the problems it causes are severe for people living in Bridgeport.
1: Connecticut's asthma rate surpasses the national average. More than 200,000 adults and 75,000 children have asthma in the state. Communities of color are disproportionately impacted.
0: According to the Bridgeport Child Advocacy Coalition, nearly 4,000 middle school children and younger visited the hospital in 2020 due to asthma.
1: That's due to environmental conditions, but also secondhand tobacco smoke.
0: The solutions young people have come up with,
1: walk, ride a bike, or take public transit when you can, buy local to reduce freight emissions, are common sense. If the community as a whole recognizes the benefits, and if policymakers work to provide the infrastructure to make these adaptations possible. When you start prioritizing
5: money and profit over life itself, over what can help grow life, what can help sustain life, what can help nourish life, then we keep seeing different things that harm communities come into
1: place or go into fruition. This is environmentalist Katherine Morris.
0: She's going to help us peer review our students' research alongside her environmental justice work.
5: So... When we traditionally think of environmental justice, we think of, yes, there was a disregard of life that allowed you to continue putting an incinerator here in walking distance from a home or a gas plant here or a coal plant here.
1: Kat is in her early 20s. She grew up in New Jersey, then middle school in the suburbs of Bridgeport.
5: We've been living in predominantly white areas that were more like um, middle class, upper middle class, high income. And then... I had been experiencing interpersonal racism a lot more than systemic racism or what I now understand to be systemic racism. So I think that's part of why I have such an affinity for nature.
1: Before heading to the city.
5: So i say that definitely changed when I moved to Bridgeport and it was kind of striking to me that no one else found it weird, that we weren't spending as much time outside or whatnot. I moved to the west end of Bridgeport, I went to Basic High School, go Lions, and there, we were living in this like kind of six family duplex apartment, and there was like one tree in the front yard, maybe one in the backyard, you know, but it, there was no grass in the backyard or anything like that and the sidewalks were littered in a way that was like very frustrating to me because I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Like, what are we doing here?
0: Growing up surrounded by green space, Kat didn't realize what she had.
5: Until it was gone. I would notice, you know, even in the summer times, it was really just sitting on the porch. Like, that was kind of the extent of it. Maybe going for a walk, maybe taking a long walk to find that one little swing set playground area that's like next to that one bodega over
1: there (laughs) and That was kind of the extent of it.
0: We'll hear more from Kat next episode as she helps define Bridgeport.
1: Who knows, maybe one of our students may decide to make a career out of improving their city too. Ground is reported and produced by J.D. Allen and me, Sabrina Garone, with editing from Harriet Jones. Molly Ingram helped with the mixing. Samantha Simon, Melanie Formosa, and Megan Briggs did fact-checking and research. Music is composed by Samuel Davies and Aria Elon. Graphic art by Joshua Joseph. This podcast was made possible by Joan Ganz Cooney Center and the Sesame Workshop. Higher Ground is a production of WSHU Public Radio. The next episode is available wherever you get your podcasts.